<clears throat> well, morning, everybody. Morning, morning James. <laughs> cool. So, if we can have that first slide up. I wonder, what do you think these three pictures have in common? Have a look at them. I'll give you a clue. They're not, they're not, they're not our holiday snaps. <laughs> what could they have in common? Here are a few, few people thinking things through there. We'll give you, give you one other clue. Let's see the descriptions for them. So we've got chalking the door, um, eating three kings cake, and winter swimming. What could those things have in common? Blank all around. <laughs> well, they're all customs um, associated with Epiphany. Um, and in the church calendar, we're in the season of Epiphany now. Um, so if you want to go and look up some of those customs, particularly the last one there, I can see a lot of, en- a lot of enthusiasm for that. Um, you'll see a lot of that, mostly Russians, um, go for that at this time. But anyway, in the church calendar, we're in that season of Epiphany and I wonder what you think of when you hear that word, epiphany. A moment of sudden and great revelation or realization. Has anybody ever had one of those moments, one of those epiphany moments? See a few nods. Yeah, I definitely have had. Um, well, the word, word epiphany comes from the Greek word reveal, uh, to manifest, to display, to suddenly come into view, to reveal. And uh, we're in this season, in the church calendar, we're looking at Jesus being revealed to mankind. Um, so God's Son coming in physical, in human form, and then the impact that that had on the rest of history. And we have moved through the season, so the season that we, we know so well of nativity, so remembering the birth of Jesus, we still uh, have the crib here, so that birth of Jesus by divine intervention, and uh, now we're in that season of, of epiphany. And uh, last week, uh, Ludger was uh, talking us through uh, the, the, the story, and, and we were looking at the wise men, the magi. Um, also that we look at in the season of Epiphany. And Ludger particularly drew us to that verse in Micah, Micah 5 verse 2, where it says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. And we were looking at that in terms of Bethlehem as being quite insignificant at the time, but then as we know, with Jesus' birth and the prophecy being fulfilled, how significant Bethlehem then became. And we were considering what that meant for us in terms of where we live. We all know Kibworth, but many others in the world and in England don't really know Kibworth and how it's our desire that the glory of God and the kingdom of God is seen in us and in Kibworth. Now, we are picking up our reading uh, in Matthew again, uh, and it will come up on the screen, and it's just a very short page turn from where we were 
last week. But many years have passed since the birth of Jesus and the visit of the wise men. Um, Jesus is probably around 30. He's a man. And we're picking up here uh, in Matthew 3, uh, reading verses 13 to 17, the baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I'm sure many of us know that story fairly well. Um, we have here John, as we refer to now as John the Baptist, who'd come onto the scene. He'd been called out of the wilderness by God, and his theme was repent. So he was calling people to repent. Uh, if we have a look at um, another book in the Bible, Mark, uh, chapter 1, verse 4 to 5, it says, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So John was preaching repentance. And as we're reminded, anytime we have a, a baptism and we all turn and look at the font uh, in this church, um, Ludger always reminds us of what, what repentance is. And it's taking that 180 degree turn from the kind of self-centered actions that lead to wrongdoing and turning away from our sins and turning to God's way. That's what repentance is all about. We stop rebelling and we start entering into God's way of living that he sets out in his word, the Bible. And John was urging this um, to the people at this time. Um, and he'd been baptizing them as a sign that they had asked God to forgive their sins and they were prepared to start living in God's way. And as we know with baptism, it's a, an outward act. So it's, it's an outward commitment, but it becomes real when we have that inward transformation um, of living in God's uh, way through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, John, John the Baptist, had been explaining that Jesus' baptism would be much greater than his when Jesus appears on the scene and suddenly asks John to baptize him. John 1, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now John sees Jesus coming. He knows that Jesus is the chosen one and Jesus asks him, asks John to baptize him. And we saw John's response. John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. John felt unqualified. He wanted Jesus to baptize him. 
So why do you think, why, why did Jesus ask to be baptized? Just think about that. So it wasn't for the repentance of sins, because we know Jesus was sinless, he was perfect. So why did Jesus ask to be baptized? Well, if we look at what Jesus says, he says, it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So what does that mean? To fulfill all righteousness. So if you look into this, there are a number of viewpoints and discussion points around this, but I I would offer to summarize it by to fulfill all righteousness, to accomplish God's mission. And God's mission being that reconciliation and restoration of humankind with him. The familiar verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And as part of this baptism, we see Jesus being obedient to God, fulfilling prophecy, setting the example for humanity in coming in repentance, showing himself as taking on the burden for the sins of the world. Jesus, the perfect man, didn't need baptism for repentance, but he showed us the way and he accepted baptism in obedient service to God and in following God's plan that he had for us. I had a friend at school, a guy called um, Alan, um, Alan Murdoch. You'll know who I'm talking about, Louise. Um, now, he, he was quite a quiet guy, but there was an awful lot that I learned about how to be a Christian, I'd probably say. Alan was a Christian, let's start with that. But from just observing how Alan went about his life, how he interacted with people, how he talked to people, how he talked about people when they weren't there. And I learned a lot um, from Alan and from his good example and from observing kind of the interactions that he had. So I wanted us just to spend a little minute looking at some of the interactions that we see here in the passage. So Jesus had gone to be baptized by John. And first of all, we see John's response. And John was humble. So as soon as he sees Jesus coming, he says, look, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. He also says, surely it's I that needs to be baptized. So John, John was a holy man. He'd been called by God. He was doing God's will. But he's the first to recognize that he's sinful before the Son of God. Then if we look at Jesus, so Jesus is the Son of God. He's the chosen one, the one prophesied about, a king. But his approach is one of humility as well. And in a perfect way, he sets a perfect example. So the first thing that I want us to think about is humility is a characteristic of Jesus and of his followers. 
So I wonder if we think about our lives and how we go about doing things, do we show those hallmarks of humility? Whenever we're talking to people, interacting with people, or importantly, if we're talking about people and they're not there. Humility is a characteristic of Jesus and his followers. So what else do we see in this interaction? Well, the second thing I wanted to draw out was um, we see that Jesus doesn't do what we would expect. And as you read through the Bible and you look at the different interactions that Jesus has, that's quite often the case. So one other example, so as it's coming up to Jesus' crucifixion, and he's there with his disciples, he ties uh, a towel around his waist and he starts to wash his disciples' feet. And Peter is very outspoken about it, and he says, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. Um, To which Jesus responds, unless I wash you, you'll never be part of me. And then Peter says, well, in that case, not just my feet, but my hands and my head. Um, And you you maybe know that story. But Jesus is the Son of God. He is the chosen one. He's the King of Kings. But yeah, he doesn't do what we would expect um, in our human way of thinking. But it's his way, and that's God's way. And Jesus always does everything in obedience to the Father. Not self-important, but always thinking about the mission and bringing glory to God and bringing God's kingdom. So that's the second thing. Jesus doesn't always do or ask us to do what we might expect. The third thing then is us to look at the response. So what happened um, in terms of how John responded? And it's very short, just two words or three then John consented. So John accepted Jesus' way. He consented to Jesus' way. And that's, that's the third thing. As followers of Jesus, even though we may not feel that we are uh, holy enough or appropriate enough, or we don't understand what Jesus is asking us to do, but we're pretty sure we feel that's what he's telling us to do, We need to consent to his way and accept his way. And it might feel uncomfortable, but we need to accept that call. And then if we think about what happened and what happened in the verses. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love With him I am well pleased. God showed his approval. And heaven opened. And the Holy Spirit was active. So when we're humble. And we come before God in obedience. And repentance. And we accept or consent to. And follow his will. Heaven will open. And God will show his approval. Just look at a few other verses across the Bible. So in James 4, verse 10, humble yourselves therefore before the Lord and he will exalt you. 
1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that in due time he may lift you up. And 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So it's epiphany in terms of the season that we're, we're here to reveal. And we remember Jesus who was revealed to the world and what impact that had. And we also know what that led on to in terms of Jesus' life and how he um, uh, secured our salvation. And we can take his lead and he shows us the way. And at times we might feel inadequate. We might not understand what the call's about. It might feel uncomfortable. It might feel unnatural. But we know that we can follow God's plan. And when we're humble and we come before God in repentance and in obedience and we accept or consent to and follow his will, we know that heaven will open and God will show his approval and the Holy Spirit will be active and we'll see that come true in our lives and in Kibworth and beyond. Amen.